You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory. We're all together already here. Uh, got a lot to cover today. We're going to be mocking the mock. We're going to go ahead and take a look at Chad Reuter's mock from last week. Kind of break it down. Spoiler alert, I would do backflips if this actually happened to the Kansas City Chiefs. I would like to and see that. we're going to answer all of your mailbook questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I could not do it. Not in real life. There's no chance that could happen. This should but, happen uh, we'll, just so we get to see you try. Oh. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I would not want to be seen doing in public, and any basically feats of athleticism at this point are are on that list. Like it's it's I'm done, guys. I got arthritis. I'm I'm a frail mess. I'm not the athlete that Maddie is now. Maddie's got his second win trying to trying to come off the edge for the Panthers next year. But uh, I've been called an athlete by the one, the only college quarterback on this podcast. <laughs> Big time now, uh, buddy. QB1. Don't look up my completion percentage. That's all I got to say. Um, we got, so we're, we're going to, we're going to do a lot of stuff this, this week. Uh, we'll just start, we'll jump right into a mock of the mock. And again, mock the mock. We're not actually just, you know, dunking on people's takes. At least not this week. Going to take a look at Chad Reuter's mock draft, and it it came out beautifully for the Chiefs. He had them taking at pick 29, Ja'Kai Polite and Edge from Florida. Maddie, you've been our primary grader on this guy. What did you think about him? So, spoiler, Ja'Kai Polite is probably my favorite prospect in this entire class. He's an edge rusher out of Florida. He's six foot two, so he's a little on the short side. He probably weighs about 240, maybe 245 pounds. And so he's a little light, and that's the big issue people have with him is going to be his size. But you cannot tell on the film. He is going to lose a little bit at the line of scrimmage just against runs. That's the nature of the beast when you're that size. But just watching him come off the ball with his speed, I think his, not even his first step, just his speed into the backfield is definitely one of the best in this class and one of the best you've seen in recent years. That's even with a false step, like every snap. He has a small like bend in his knees right out of the snap every single time, and he still beats tackles around the corner without them even getting their hands on him, without him having to make a move. His burst is unreal. He's got a ton of pass rush moves, so it's a little bit different than somebody like D. Ford, which is the connection I think a lot of Chiefs fans make coming out of Auburn, who didn't really have a ton of pass rush moves. Polite has counters on top of counters, and he knows how to set them up, when to use them, the thing is, he just still has to clean up a little bit of footwork with that and off the line of scrimmage, and he's going to be probably the best pass rusher quickly out of this draft class to me, and he might even come right out of the gates at that point. So he's a little bit of a situational player, but as a future weak side defensive end, I think he's an absolutely perfect fit for the Chiefs, and if they get a chance to draft him at 29, I will literally do a backflip if this happens. <laughs> 
Well, and there's there's the funny thing about this Bach and how it's set up is, you know, in a lot of situations when we're looking at stuff, there's like slim pickings for the Chiefs at 29. But in this situation, there were two other players that I would just be absolutely thrilled for the Chiefs to take. Go with cartwheels this time instead of backflips. I I would uh, I would do the Carlton dance on repeat for oh, maybe an hour. See, now now I gotta see that. Yeah, true. Man. I, I, I have no shame doing that. I'm I'm pretty I'm getting pretty good at that one. I'll just say that much. Uh, Brian Burns, the edge from Florida State, was still on the board in this mock draft. Burns is six foot five. He's anywhere between two hundred and thirty five and two hundred and forty five pounds. I'm assuming on this mock, Reuter thinks that he's going to be two thirty five because there's no reason that he should have been falling into the second round the way he did in this mock. And if the Chiefs wound up with Burns at twenty nine, if they traded up for him at I don't know eighteen or fifteen, I'd be thrilled. Uh, he's he's long. He's pretty explosive. I think he's the. I think he has the best bend in this class, uh, and I've seen him be able to use his length to get strip sacks consistently. Uh, he's surprisingly good at the point of attack in the run game. So you know, a guy that is is not particularly dense. You don't expect him to be, but he actually does a a very serviceable job. I love his pass rush plan, um, and and it, there's there's a lot of different moves that he's hit people with. I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's one of the 15, 10 best players in this class. Uh, Gregory, there was another guy that had no business being on the board at 29 in this mock draft. Who was it? It was CB1. Byron Bayron Murphy uh, out of Washington, my you, you favorite. Got, time out, time out, Craig. You got to hit the Bay. Bay Run. Rod. Yeah. There you go. Bay, Bay Rod. Ron. There yeah. you go. He's, That's better. He he is my favorite corner in this class. He's ready to go. He's ready to start. He's ready to be an outside corner. He's a little bit small, but he's got great ball skills. He he's great in every tech. He's a very smart player, very physical player. Everything he does, he does well. I've talked about him at length on multiple podcasts. If he's there, I, I'm I'm running, running to the podium to draft him. But with these other two on the board, it makes it it makes it a tough question here. Well, the funny thing is, this literally basically this question came to us in a, in a hotly contested debate last week after our podcast because we were we literally were paring it down between Byron Murphy and and a guy like Brian Burns just from a priorities perspective from a, a roster construction uh, perspective and actually we're just going to answer a mailbag question right here before we finish this mock at Arrowhead Tom asks what's the actual top need for the Chiefs? Seems split between safety, cornerback, and potentially defensive end. I think we can eliminate safety. I think we all kind of think cornerback and edge are probably pretty high up there. Uh, let's go ahead and debate here. Maddie, give us why the Chiefs' biggest priority is the cornerback position. So I'm going to say, I don't think you can cut safety out. I think it's just defensive backs the biggest need, whether that wants to be a corner or a safety going forward. But for the cornerback, here's 100% why. Go back to the Chiefs' losses this year, to the Patriots, 
to the Rams, to the Chargers. What good is another pass rusher going to do when you already have two exceptional pass rushers that were on the team? I understand they're not going to all be here next year or going forward, but even if you replace D. Ford and Justin Houston with equal players, those losses still play out the exact same way until you find somebody that can cover a player for three seconds. Not five seconds, not six seconds, three seconds. Our corners were getting beat in less time than it takes a quarterback to throw the ball on a good on a great day for them. These guys couldn't stick with anybody, no matter what pass rush you have, unless you have Aaron Donald, who gets unblocked for whatever reason, is getting to a quarterback that quickly. Adding more pass rushers is awesome, but fans love it. I love it. Like I just said, Ja'Kai Polite's my favorite prospect in this draft, and I'll love it if they take him. But if you give me the chance to get a corner that can actually affect the game in those first three seconds and it's taking someone to get to a quarterback, to me, that's much more important, especially when you consider the fact that we're going to lose half of our cornerbacks from last year. They weren't good, but we're still going to lose them. So now you're playing the backups to the bad cornerbacks what do you expect is going to happen even if you do get to the quarterback consistently or, you know, at the league best rate like we did last year? Okay, Craig, I want you to make the case for the edge position. And I've got some stuff I'm going to jump in and, and pile on Maddie after that. So <laughs> go, go ahead. Oh, I know what Ken's bringing. I got the counter for that too. <laughs> I, I think that you you just – edge is the most important position on that side of the ball. I think cornerback has closed that gap significantly in recent Free tech. years. But <laughs> pass rusher is the most important position on the defensive side of the ball. I think that you can set a tempo. It's a guy that can affect both facets of the game more readily than a cornerback. And then on top of that, if we're talking about guys that they're going to be losing in future years here, I, they're probably going to tag D Ford this year. We don't know what his future holds. If he doesn't stay healthy again this year, or if he underperforms, I don't know if either one of those things is true, but that leaves Breland Speaks as your only mm. edge defender for 2020, unless you think that Tano Passigno is just going to all of a sudden burst on the scene and become a top flight pass rusher. I don't really think that's the case. So you have to have that future plan. Breland Speaks is not going to get it done as your primary pass rusher. You're going to need a guy or you're going to end up paying somebody 21, 22, 23 millions of dollars in free agency just to rush the passer for you. It gives you more flexibility if you can find a good edge on the rookie contract. And so I, I I tend to lean, and this is where me and Craig kind of ended up last week when we were discussing short-term and long-term outlook. You know, the yes, cornerback and edge are huge needs for this team in 2020 and in 2019 too. I mean, not yeah, corner's probably a higher priority for 2019. But when I'm looking at the long-term outlook of this roster, when I'm looking at specifically the 2019 draft and philosophically trying to acquire successful edge rushers, most of your best edge rushers are going to be round one players. The physical traits typically go in the th first 32 picks. And then even guys like Frank Clark, who had first round traits and abilities and athleticism, fell to the second round because of some character concerns, some major character concerns. So you look at that and you say, okay, 
the edge edge players, if you're going to get one, if you're going to get a guy that's going to be able to affect the quarterback, you're probably going to need to find him in round one. Then you add to this. If this class in particular, at the cornerback position, there's a strong second-round class. So there's a lot of guys that fall in that range that are are going to still be able to contribute at a at a high level. So if I could say pair Janoris Jenkins with uh I don't know, I don't know why I'm saying this one. Maybe Rock Yasin, spoiler alert for a few <laughs> minutes from now. Um maybe I have enough there at the cornerback position to to still have success pairing those two like a like a Janoris Jenkins, a Rock Yasin with Kendall Fuller, Charvarius Ward. I've got enough at that position and some guys to look forward to in the future. I've solved my 2020 pass rush there still. So that's kind of where we've fallen on. Maddie, what's your counter? Because I'm sure so, you've got... Oh, I got the counter. We talked about this. There's more number one corners that are going in the first round than number one pass rushers. You're finding less number one corners in the second, third, fourth rounds than you are pass rushers. Like when we went back and recently looked at it, it, it is mostly with character concerns, but there have been more good pass rushers that have come from the second, third, fourth round than there have been number one corners. I think that argument's kind of flown out the window in the last five years as teams have realized how important corner is. And as Craig said, it's kind of closed that gap. You can jump back in. I, I see you itching. Sure. Yeah. So I guess like, and I don't disagree. Like it's hard to find lockdown number one corners. Which this team desperately needs. Okay, so Byron Murphy and Greedy Williams are potential to be locked down number one corners. Yes, potential yeah, to be. Yeah, that's where I'd be going. Yes. Like, I don't, are, yeah. And Bayron might not even be a slam dunk. We'll see how he tests. Because if he's down there at 29, it's because he probably didn't test great. You so, do not slander my man like that. I, I, don't I think he's Byron. Gonna, don't I don't think he's going to test but, great, and I still think he's got lockdown potential. If he doesn't test god-awful, I think he still has lockdown potential right. because what he does really well isn't necessarily be super athletic. Right. And I think that's fair. But at the same time, I think you can elevate the value and the talent better by you know going with a Janoris and a Rock Yasin with piled with a round run, run, round one edge rusher, then waiting until round two to try to grab your your edge rusher. I don't think your your potential to have both needs satisfied at a high level in twenty twenty. Uh, is best, you know, if if you decide to go cornerback in round one. So we'll 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 move on here, unless, unless you have something, Matt. Oh yeah, Do you we have got another big one. Average corners <laughs> going, average amount of corners going before the Chiefs pick again at sixty one is nine in the last three years. That means you're not getting Rockus, and I know what we said. Spoiler in this mock, we are, but you're not getting your top nine corners at pick sixty one. You're getting your tenth best corner. So I think that's a big drop-off, whereas the averages are you're only losing, I believe it was seven edge rushers by pick 61, which for our ranking system right now ends up being Montez Sweat would be the next guy in line. So if that's, you know, I don't think he's going to be there in the second round either. But right. if you're looking at the amount of numbers of the guys you're getting, you're losing more corners before you pick again on average by pick 61. You just said this class is stronger at edge than it is corner. Why would I not take the weaker position group in the first round and then get a when there's going to be more corners going by the time we pick again in the second? If that makes sense. Because 
I guess my thing is I think that there's a strong first class for the edge position. After that, I just, in general, I'm not banking on getting a, a highly productive pass rusher unless it's Frank Clark with character issues, so right? You so you think that, that that's... A, a, let's get to go ahead and use the name Lonnie Johnson because that's kind of where we talked about earlier at the rankings is a sure. higher potential corner than Christian Miller, Chase Winovich, DeAndre Walker, or edge rushers. I would say yes. Okay. I said that's, that's where that's I think one. we disagree because I think those guys are definitely better edge prospects with higher upside as edge guys than Lonnie Johnson is as a cornerback. And I, oh, I, I personally would agree with that being the guy grading the corners, but if you told me it's Montre Hardage, maybe, maybe I argue that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's so. where the issue comes in is with corners especially, there's different ways to play cornerback. So you're looking for a particular set of skills when a bunch of skills work. So like I get where people are coming from. And three years ago, four years ago, you tell me edge rusher, no matter what's the most important, I would buy it no matter what your team is. I just think the NFL's adapted this really quick passing game. If you don't have a corner that can stick with the receiver for three seconds, which the Chiefs don't, and that includes Kendall Fuller, unfortunately, I have to say it, he was not that good this past year. He's also a free agent after the 2020 season. There's no guarantee he's coming back then anyway, and I don't know if he's a true number one. I think you need somebody that can actually lock down a player for more than three or up to three seconds to allow a very good pass rush to get there. So the other the other question I'll have is you see all these pass rushers that are not hitting the market this year. So you see Demarcus Lawrence, you see you know D Ford for instance. All these guys aren't hitting the open market, but a a solid if 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 the Chiefs added Brad Roby, Bro, Bradley Roby tomorrow, you'd be excited. Yes. Yeah, I think Roby is a solid corner. However, so and I I think you can get solid corners. I still think, and I think it's I think it's a more precious asset still to acquire an edge, and you still have a better chance of acquiring a cornerback in the open market. And I think you know you can get enough contribution out of Janoris Jenkins, Rocky Asin, and and Kendall Fuller and Charverius Ward. I think that's enough, right? Like, and I think that's kind of okay, what I'm saying. But like long term, but you need, you need is edges. Bradley Roby than say Preston Smith as a pass rusher. Is Bradley Roby that much better of a corner than Preston Smith, who is likely going to hit the market? It sounds like there's a yeah. chance Clowney's going to hit the market. Trey Flowers probably isn't getting paid in New England. So I mean, it's a good edge rushing free agency class. So it's not like this is. But every I don't. Year. I'm not even sure Clowney's going to be there. No, like a lot of people are saying, it. Clowney probably won't. And I'm not guaranteeing it by any means. But okay, Trey Flowers, Preston Smith, like, are they really any worse than Bradley Roby in terms of comparing an edge rusher to a corner? So if you, I mean, they're, no, they're but, they're probably more expensive than Roby. That that would be the only counter right. that I'd have. To that's add. and that's true. Flowers, and the thing sure. about the edge market is Preston Smith and maybe Jadavian Clowney. That's it for the entire league. Trey and Flowers I still might. think Oh, okay. And I, I Flowers might. Flowers might be the guy that winds up there. But again, like I mean, you're you're talking about a there was seven, eight potential edge rush candidates that are hitting or potentially hitting the open market and the cornerback class, there's there's not. And all these edge all these edge guys are are sticking. They're all staying there. So I mean, the, I mean, the thing is, the Chiefs need, like, and we can just kind of close this because we went like 15 minutes. I knew this was going to happen. We went like 15 minutes on it. But, I mean, 
obviously, you know, edge and corner are significant positions of need. I and I do agree safety is still a position of need, obviously. I'm not arguing that and we'll get to the rest of this mock here now. But um I mean th- those are the two positions that I think that they need to try to come away with. Rocky Asin, the cornerback from Temple, is the 61st pick, according to Chad Reuter. Craig, tell us a little bit about Rock. Uh, Rock is a long kind of project corner. He needs a lot of work with his feet, but he's very physical. Uh, he's got good ball skills. He's just learning the position still. He's really only played at a high level for a couple years now so he's developing as a player still he has the size length and plays with the kind of physicality that you want for a lockdown type corner but you're probably not going to get him as a guy that's going to contribute at a really super high level year one he's probably going to be kind of a secondary guy and you're hoping for a kind of cornerback by committee to be uh, improved overall, but year two, year three, year four, he's a guy that maybe you can look at as being a major contributor if you can develop him. Uh, at pick 63, uh, Maddie Juan Thornhill, the safety from Virginia. I would love this selection as well. What do you think about Thornhill? So I'm going to get a little bit of flack for this, so we're going to start out by sugarcoating it. Juan Thornhill, I love him as a player. I think he's got some good range if you're not asking to play center field. He's an ex-corner, so he's got man coverage skills. He's a very, very high-Q player. He's not afraid to stick his nose down in the box and hit blockers, runners, and he's got some of the best highlights in terms of ball skills that you're going to find. So he's a playmaker as a safety, and he pairs that with being very high-IQ, very intelligent as a football player. My issue is I'm just not sure how athletic he is when you compare it to the rest of his just overall size. So I think you might end up being limited a little bit in what you're going to do with him. He's not a super physical drop down the box and play against the run kind of guy over and over again. And I don't know if he's going to sit there and be a center fielder. So he's kind of this mixture of a player that the NFL usually doesn't know what to do with anymore. And for that reason, just looking through this mock draft, there's guys like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Deontay Thompson that are going after Juan Thornhill, who, again, I like as a player, and he definitely belongs on day two. But to pass on those guys who I think definitely have that pure center fielder ability, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, spoiler to unfortunate Nasir Adderley fans, is my safety one. I think he's essentially a better version of Nasir Adderley. So putting that out there right now. But I think he can play center field. I think he's a very good nickel defender as man-to-man coverage in the slot. And he's a better, more physical tackler than he used to be. That was his big issue. But he could slide up into the box from time to time as well. So that's where I would go with the pick. But safety, Thornhill, I'm down with the pick. I just think there was slightly better options at the same position. I am a Chauncey fan. Um, Juan Thornhill, I do. I think he probably could stick at center fielder, but I need to watch him more. Like, just I, I think he probably. I, I need to. I just need to watch him more. I, I'm gonna go back and watch him a little bit more on that. Um, Daryl Henderson, running back from Memphis, went to the Chiefs at 92. So based on like again like I've kind of been riding the I'm not sure I want the Chiefs to invest in a running back in the first two days of the draft. I do like Daryl Henderson as a player, um, and the fact that they went and addressed so many needs um, early in this draft with with Thornhill, with Rakia Sin, with Jakai Polite, 
it gives me a little bit of a buffer here. Um, he's a good player, though. Now it's time to answer your questions. Haven't done it in a couple weeks because uh, uh, we had the boardroom episode last week. So let's just jump right into these questions. Mr. C. David asks a three-part question. I'll answer the first part. Do you think Patrick Mahomes will have better or worse stats in his second year? Uh, I think he'll have less touchdowns and uh, maybe about the same interceptions. I, I He'll have some worse stats, yes. It's hard for him to sustain the success he had last season. His pace kind of slowed down towards the second half of the year. But they're still going to win a lot of games. He's still going to have a great season. He basically lapped every quarterback last year anyway. So, uh, yeah, he's still going to have a great year. It's just not going to be as good as it was. Uh, he asks, of the Chiefs players currently on the roster, Maddie, who do you think is going to have a breakout year in 2019? This is kind of a tricky question because I don't know if anybody's in particular set up for a breakout year. And just like by that, I mean a high-quality year. So the guy that I think is going to kind of show the most improvement, I wanted to say Andrew Wiley, but I think everybody knows that he was already very good. So I don't know if just starting more counts as a breakout year. So we're going with Dorian O'Daniel. I'm going to trust my draft evaluation process with him. He's now in a better position for his skill set. I think as a weak outside linebacker in a 4-3, I think he'll get a chance to shine in coverage a little bit more, play more in space, deal less with linear angles, and just get a scrape down more. So I expect a lot better season from O'Daniel almost to the point to where everyone's going to acknowledge that he was actually a pretty solid pick and was on, wasn't on the field as much last year because he didn't fit. Craig, if D Ford balls out next year, as he did this year, should the Chief, what should the Chiefs do with him? If D Ford plays a full 19-game season next year and has you know the same amount of sacks, has the same kind of impact that he did this year, and, I mean, the Chiefs have to put an offer on the table. You have two full, healthy seasons. If they trust him and they trust that back, you you almost can't not do that because he will, at that point, have been a top five, top ten pass rusher for two years in a row. I know people are scared to death about paying him and him getting hurt, but if you trust your it medicals, means. then... then uh, then this is a little different situation. I, I, I think you, you have to pay him in that situation. It's all about the bag, baby. Uh, at Mike LWS asks, would you take Jeffrey Simmons with one of the second round picks given his injury? So, uh, uh, yeah, he's a phenomenal player. I don't know if the Chiefs will, though, just because he does have a issue in his background where he stepped into a fight with uh, his sister and another girl. And uh, I haven't seen the video yet, but he put a pretty good whooping on her. And I just, that that might be, he's been a model citizen since, but that might be hard for the Chiefs to do. Yeah, I think if the question is with one of their second round picks, for me, it's an absolute no-brainer. I would probably do it with their first round pick, even with the injury, because he's that yeah. kind of a player. He's a top mm -hmm. 10, 15 player. And like that's not even based on like uh the class like pushing guys up just because there's not always top 32 first round picks you know he's that good him paired with chris jones would be phenomenal Whew. next year you got a, two guys that can bypass as a one tech from time to time but both of them are going to be super explosive pass rushers at three tech it would be insane but like kent said i just don't know if the chiefs are in a position to do it 
the recent issues with Kareem Hunt and then still having Tyree Kill on the team, no matter how you feel about it, really does cause a PR mess. So it would just be hard to pull off. If the Chiefs do it, though, again, I would be super happy because I think he's a great player, and it really does sound like from everything that he's been on the honor roll, he's done everything right. He seems like a really good kid that just made a bad mistake based on a poor situation and an interesting upbringing leading to that situation. And on top of that, I think it's a little closer to the way that Tyreek handled the situation after the fact. Now, Kareem Hunt lied to the team. He lied to Andy Reid. The video came out. They found out that he had lied. They they didn't feel like they could trust him. Simmons had just, you know, he's been a guy that has owned up to it completely. He has done everything in his power to sort of eliminate that and put that behind him and try and remedy it. And, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't dodge questions about it. He He will come right at it kind of in the same way that Tyreek did as well. So that would be the only thing that would make me think that maybe the Chiefs might take him. It, it, it would be a risk from an off-the-field standpoint, but on the field, he is amazing. And I don't even know if it's a risk from the off-field's perspective as much as it is. It's just really hard to go and do that again with, with it regards to the PR because I do, I based on everything I've researched He's he's so far beyond that, and it's really not part of who he is, even really. So, uh, at at Andy Blair asks in your piece on the roster last week, you guys never mentioned Dustin Colk with three point one million against the cap next season, and one point eight could be saved by cutting him. Pains me to ask, but he's expendable. Uh, this was actually a, a debate that we had a little bit, Maddie. What? What do you explain? Just go ahead and explain it. <laughs> so I did bring up the Dustin Colquitt angle, actually. Part one because he's a little expensive for a punter. Part two, I really like hefty and husky punters, and there's a couple <laughs> of them in this class. And they're just some some good round boys kicking the crap out of the football, and I'm just a sucker for a husky punter. But um. At the end of the day, his contract's a little big for a punter, but the Chiefs also kind of set it up in a way that I don't think they're considering getting out of it. The way the contract's right. set up with the dead money being the 1.3 that it is to get out of it, that's a big hit to tank to bo- take to move on from a punter. If your goal was going to be to move on from him after a year, you would have set that up a lot better. So it just seems like he's set to be here. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And Andy Reid loves him. He seems like the locker room loves 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 him I mean he's what the reported prankster on the team and everything like that so he's a guy that I think has a lot of intangible benefits in this squad but man 3.1 million dollars to be Patrick Mahomes punter that's good work if you can get it yeah right and I think like for us it was just kind of like I mean it was almost like just dismissive of the conversation just because like we know it's not happening there's no chance it's happening there's no point in even really going there so even if like yeah it's probably good business to like not do that in the first place we just kind of you know whatever uh at sh web 29 asks rank these free agent cornerbacks please steve nelson ronald darby Bradley Roby, Bryce Callahan, Pierre Desir. Uh, for me, it's uh, Darby. Even with the recent injury history, I think he's just the better corner overall. He's got the highest ceiling of all those guys, and he's 25. And then after that, it's Roby. I'm still a very good corner. I think he fits here, and he'd be a little cheaper than Darby. Darby's obviously going to be the most expensive. 
Then it's going to be Steven Nelson. After that, he started more games. He has he has done more in this league than the next two. Bryce Callahan's just short. He's really short. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you're not getting him to come out and be your CB1. He's going to be kind of a guy that's a slot corner. So for the Chiefs, not that guy. And Pierre Desir kind of is on that same level. He just doesn't have a whole lot of experience. He's been on the Colts roster for four years, and he really hadn't played hardly at all until this year. And he was just okay this year. He wasn't great, so I wouldn't gamble on him being a big, big player at this point. I think I'm kind of similar. I actually have Roby number one just because I think it's a little bit safer. Like I agree that Darby's ceiling's higher, but I know Roby's going to go out there and play the majority of the year. And I actually think Roby's kind of good because he can play any technique you want him to. Man, zone, press, bail. He's capable of doing everything. So he's going to be my number one. Darby's two. That injury history really does scare me. And I think there are some limitations to what you can ask him to do. Next, I am going Bryce Callahan. He's small. He's a slot-only guy. I get it. And we kind of already have that. But if I'm not ranking these specifically for the Chiefs, we're definitely going to go with Callahan next. I really want to pit Pierre Desair, Desair next because uh, Steven Nelson just isn't my guy. Like, he just simply isn't my guy. I don't like his play. I don't like his style of play. I don't like his attitude, the way he presents himself, like, through Twitter, social media, even just on the field of complaining when he blatantly puts somebody in a headlock and gives them a noogie saying he didn't hold them. Stuff like that annoys me. He's definitely better than Desair, whose name I can't say to save my life. And um, but I just can't put him any higher. I'm gonna have to put Steven Nelson as a just above him. At AZ Wids four asks, who is the first free agent that the Chiefs sign? Not who you wish they would act would, but actually will sign considering cap and fit. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the easy one, and I I'm going Vinny Curry. I think that's that's a guy that just makes sense as a as a situational pass rusher. Um, I I'm taking the low hanging fruit without any shame. Uh, he's he could sign tomorrow, and that very well could happen. I could see him winding up here in Kansas City. Yeah, no, that Craig, was going to be mine as well, <laughs> but. Uh, but I need to go ahead, I guess. Uh, Brennan Scarlett from he's going to come and play Sam because the Chiefs do not have a Sam and they need a Sam. Brennan Scarlett. Well, we got a single and a bunt here, so let me just go ahead and step up to the plate and call my shot. Really good. I'm saying Landon Collins. I don't. I think if he hits free agency, I think it's happening. I mean, it's that simple for me now. You could argue whether or not he's going to hit free agency or not, and I understand why that makes it a little less realistic, but I'm just not sold the Giants are going to try to rebuild by putting a franchise tag on Landon Collins and holding him hostage for one year as a safety. He hits free agency. I think it makes way too much sense for him to come here. So I'm saying that's the first guy that signs. And also, your first free agent to sign, or at least like the guy that agrees the first, is usually a big-name player. It's usually not yeah. a mm-hmm. small signing. So I think it's going to be the biggest one, which would be Collins, and it just makes too much sense to me. Like Brennan so Scarlett isn't a the big chief. Come on. Yeah, he's likely a five, six-day into free agency signing. <laughs> and aren't – like. You guys are just completely dismissing the idea that Brett Veach is going to try to go bargain barrel hunting and, and try to find players that don't count on the compensatory formula. Like, <laughs> come on. At P. Flum asks, with the scheme changes coming on the defensive side of the football, do we expect to see a move away from press man corners and expect to see more zone personnel coming in? 
not necessarily. I, I think that what Spags likes to do is just a little bit of everything. I mean, Maddie, Maddie took a look back. He wrote an article on Arrowhead Pride. You got to go find it, read about it. But he does a little bit of everything. He runs some match quarters. He runs some press man. He runs some press bail, press mirror. He he does a lot of different things. So he's going to look for guys that are versatile and experienced in a lot of different techniques to come and play corner for him. Yeah, and I don't think the Chiefs have particularly been hammering for press man corners, like actual get up in the face and jam receivers for the last, since Sean Smith. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that's been their thing since Sean Smith was here. And even with him, it was pretty much just him. I think that went away really after we got the horrible comeback loss to Indy in the playoffs. I think we transitioned away from that. Can we not talk about that? <laughs> hey, this is the question, Kent. I just read the prompt just like you. That's why I'm still <laughs> locked out of it. But uh, so like Craig said, I think if I had to say what we did or what Spags did the most of, it's going to be match quarters which isn't really a zone. You're still essentially playing man-to-man coverage. It's just a matter of who you're going to cover is based on where they go in the zone of the field. So you're going to get a you're going to get guys that are capable of playing a bunch of techniques. Essentially, as like Craig said, there's going to be a lot of press, but it's going to be a lot of bail or mirror out of the press rather than them trying to jam receivers at the line repeatedly. At AC Rocker asks, can you guys explain how a pass rusher who is good as a 3-4 outside linebacker can be bad as a 4-3 defensive end? What are the technique differences? Oh, no. This is going to take a while. This could take a while, so I'm going to try to keep it simple. The simplest answer is size. 3-4 outside linebackers are smaller, and even more so than smaller. They're usually a little bit leaner and lighter, so they just have less power. Even though a 3-4 outside linebacker is on the line of scrimmage, there's usually a little bit more space. It's either a wide technique or they can be off the line of scrimmage a little bit standing up. 4-3 defensive end is going to be closer, usually lined in tighter to a tackle. So the chance for a tackle to get their hands on them is higher. There's a bigger responsibility in a way against the run just because, again, you're having to attack an offensive tackle a little more often. Now, the 4-3 under over with the Leo kind of pretty much resembles that of a 3-4 outside linebacker. That 1DN plays a lot more like a 3-4 outside linebacker than a traditional defensive end that everyone's thinking about in the sense when they're trying to think of somebody like a Reggie White or something like that. That's not what a Leo's going to do. So those two are very similar. Just besides that, it's just you're a tighter technique as a defensive end. You're closer to a tackle. You have less space to work with. At Keith McLean asks, given the defensive staff changes, will... Anthony Hitchens win the Comeback Player of the Year award. I believe you mean Pro Bowl player Anthony Hitchens. I I think <laughs> if if we're Pro Bowl if we're alternate. remembering, yeah. Now, I mean, I he he's not even eligible for that. I do think that he's going to be significantly better in this <laughs> scheme. But is he coming back from being terrible? He's going to be. <laughs> If they're going to start doing that, we're going to have to open the player pool up significantly more. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That derailed. That's my fault. No, he's going to be better, but nah. I mean, no. (laughs) I I just, any hope of him being a $9 million a year player is, I don't think, he might be serviceable next year. We'll see. Uh, At JJ33081316. Asks thoughts on uh, Iowa State running back David Montgomery. Would he fit in Andy Reid's offensive scheme? Yes, he would. Um, if you ask me to compare one guy to Kareem Hunt, I think 
it's probably Montgomery. Uh, he's going to be my running back three uh, this year. I have Devin Singletary and Josh Jacobs above him, but he's he's solid in pass pro. Uh, he can do a little bit in the passing game, and he's got phenomenal contact balance. Uh, he's a really, really good football player. Would love to see him in KC, but... Uh, he's not going to be there in round five. So <laughs> at uh, we'll just move on. At Kenny with the Coke asks, uh, does Steve Spagnolo have his corners travel or not? I, yeah, they, they do travel a little bit. Uh, it's not necessarily common. They He likes to have guys that play on the left or the right side, but he will play matchups depending on the game that he's in. The little bit that I've watched the secondary with a focus he definitely had like Dominique Rogers Cromartie following around some guys, especially on third downs. So a little bit, but it seems to be more matchup specific. Uh, at Brandon four twenty two asks a three part question: Thoughts on adding Tevin Coleman coming out of free agency? Uh, not really looking to invest what cap space the Chiefs have at running back, but he is a very good football player I'm a fan of. Craig, does Ben Neiman fit better into this defensive scheme and where? Yeah, probably a little bit. He He's a little more of a, a rangier player, a little bit more of a will. They actually, when he was at Iowa, he played a little bit of slot corner. Uh, you know, he, he would kick out and defend some guys out of the slot. So he, he's a guy that I think could be a little better, but I'm not really counting on Ben Neiman being a, a big contributor going forward for this defense. Maddie, I'm sure I, I I'm so excited to hear you answer this question. Thoughts on Byron Pink Pringle becoming a slot receiver? <laughs> so I'm a big Byron Pringle fan. I think he's got some juice. I think he can really stretch the field. I don't know if that's what you're looking for. Kind of is your main threat out of a slot receiver as a guy that can stretch the field vertically. So while I think there's a chance just based on his athleticism and movement skills that he could play in the slot, I definitely think he's more of an outside guy that's going to get vertical and kind of take the top off. So I don't think he's going to be your traditional slot receiver if that's the route they go. But as we've seen with the Chiefs, they're going to put Kelsey in the slot, they're going to put Watkins in the slot, and they're going to put Hill in the slot. You don't have to have a dedicated slot receiver in this offense, nor are they going to have one. So Pringle can be fine as a rotational piece if he picks up the offense. I thought you were going to go way deeper on Byron Pringle than that, but okay. I'm trying to save just, time I, for you, Kent. <laughs> Do you want me to go deeper on Byron Pringle and how he has great nuance in his routes and he drops his shoulder to the inside when he's going to make a cut on a corner route to the outside and has a corner turn in two circles? Or how when he hits his little chop step in the middle, he starts pumping his arms, hits him with the motor release, pumps his arm five yards downfield and takes off, then drops the ball because that's what Byron Pringle does. Is that what you want from me, Kent? That was better. Okay. Uh, Hit me with the next question. I got you. At Chief Boy RDG, a lot of mock drafts have us staying put or trading up. Am I crazy for thinking we could trade back if the opportunity comes and maybe snag yes. a top linebacker That's prospect right. along with a corner? Any scenarios where you'd like for that to happen? So, um, I we've been we we do a lot of mock draft draft exercises, you know, between our group. There's a lot of stuff that you know, like it, it helps us kind of understand where people are going or where people think that players are going. And there has been some situations where the board has not fallen great for the chiefs that we've looked at. And there might be like five guys that you like, but don't love there. And in that kind of situation, like 
I I do have more of a propensity to say, okay, maybe I move back five spots. Three of those guys are still there, probably. Two of those guys are still there, probably. Probably, and I'm just you know acquiring an extra asset. So I think there's situations where the Chiefs could trade back into the 30s. I don't guess it. If you made me, if you had me bet right now, Brett Veach is trading up. Like let's like it's happening. I I I you know I doubt that the Chiefs make four picks in the first three rounds of the draft. Yeah, I'm definitely more on that side. And as we've said, we've run you know, some mock draft simulator stuff just for fun. And there's been some pretty rough boards that leave no good picks for the Chiefs. Unless, like me, you're a Devin Bush fan and think he would step right in as the mic kicking Anthony Hitchens to something else somewhere. But um, <laughs> uh, unless you're going to make that pick, which I'm fine with at 29, but unless you want to make that, there's been times where, and this just kind of shows how silly some of these simulators can be where Haskins is available at 29, and that's a lot of guys' top quarterback in this class. He's not getting out of the top five. You're going to have other times where you have one of the best offensive tackles available. So like, if something like this happens and they can make a trade back for one of these high-valued positions, sure, it makes sense. I just think in this particular draft, the guys that are going to fall to fall to 29 in terms of like being a good value are going to likely be a defensive player or a tight end, which is a position that I don't know if teams are going to trade up for or if the Chiefs are going to want to trade away from. Yeah, that's definitely the case. It's not going to fall like Chad Reuter's mock draft here where you've got a top five edge rusher. And Two of them. Two of them, and the the best corner in the class falling to the end of the the draft or the end of the first round. There, that's just not going to happen. Realistically, with uh, with the way that Brett Veach is, he said it in the interview with Kissel the other day. He said that they got to be aggressive if they find a guy they like, they have to go get him. I expect that to be the case. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's happening. Yeah, like. Brett, he screamed Brett it. Gets, he screamed it in an interview with BJ Kissel this past Brett week. Veach gets Brett Veach gets bored. Like <laughs> <laughs> the dude's just sitting there at twenty nine. It's like it's been like it's been like six hours here, man. Like you know, he's moving up. Like I I would be stunned if he doesn't move up. Uh, at Low Lip McGee asks every year we think every player drafted in the first round is going to be good. But if you look at back at previous drafts, half of those players turn out to be poop. <laughs> uh, who are some guys you think will actually be good, and who are some guys uh, most likely to be busts? Let's just go with busts, guys. Um, and I'll uh, wait. Craig started. You, you don't want me to talk about DK Metcalf. Got it. Um, what? I, <laughs> no, I think a guy that's a potential bust, and it's just because I don't know his fit. I think he's a very good football player and very explosive. Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. I just don't Knew you were going know there. where they're going to put him. I think he's better suited as an interior defensive lineman, but he seems to want to play on the edge and auditioning to be an edge rusher. I think he's a guy that just might be a quote-unquote bust because he won't have a home for him anywhere, and so he's got to try and project into a spot that he may not fit. I got a lukewarm and a fire one coming out, so we're going to start with the lukewarm. First, uh, you better make sure you don't take one of mine. Oh, I'm taking you one. Go, I, go I'm definitely one. taking go. one. I'm doing both. So, but to start it out though, okay, so 
real quick with this whole thing about bust right now there's not a first round bust because if a guy's getting first round hype from everybody right now he deserves it because it's a prospect it's a projection nobody's getting projected in the first round that like is just going to obviously bust out you kind of have to wait until after the draft and then you can pick out your colton millers and rashad pennies <laughs> and be like hey that's not a good pick it's hard to say right now that these people that are projected to go in the first round because of their traits are going to fail because they don't have good enough traits. It just doesn't line up. But you done, you done with get off your soapbox. So okay, <laughs> so my lukewarm take, and this is a guy that I don't believe has any business in the first round, but I've seen multiple times by multiple and connected people. Jalen Ferguson. Ah! <laughs> okay, I know I did. He moves like Breland speaks. He's a box car. He turns very slowly. I don't see any ability to bend an edge. He has super violent hands, but he's still not sure what to do with them. We were watching him at the Senior Bowl. The man comes off the line of scrimmage like one of those wacky, inflatable arm car salesman dealership people. And these hands are just flailing about. And they work because they slap hands and bodies and he's powerful. But then he has to turn the corner. And it's just like watching an 18-wheeler make a right turn going into, you know, three lanes across. It's rough. So that's my lukewarm one because I think a lot of people see that. He's just getting a lot of buzz. The fire one, Noah Fant, I think that he's gonna be what? I think he's gonna be okay. I think he's athletic, but I'm I am not sold that he's gonna be a first round type tight end. He's gonna be a move tight end that's an eh blocker that I don't know is gonna be as dominant as this first round hype gives him. I would much rather take Hawkinson or Irv Smith over Noah Fant from what I've seen. Wow. Wow, that was uh, geez, Louise. Yep. Um, okay, I'll I'll go I'll go I'll go here. Bring some heat, I guess. Don't be a coward. Uh well, I had Jalen Ferguson teed up, so I had to kind of call an audible. Uh, I'm not sure Montez Sweat is gonna be a good edge. I don't know if he's got the explosion off the edge that's going to be able to allow him to disrupt the passer consistently. Yeah, he's he's built like like an alien, and I mean there was like some gasps uh, <laughs> when he when he came out uh, for measurements at the Senior Bowl. But um, I'm not sure that he's got enough explosion. Or if I think he's tight. I mean, I think he, I, I don't know if he's flexible enough that he's going to be able to sustain success as an edge rusher. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a guy I'm not I'm not really big on. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Maddie, for that. Uh, moving on <laughs> at your boy Skittles. Asks, What's up, Marshawn? Thoughts on. <laughs> yeah, maybe thoughts on Ronald Darby entering free agency. I think Ronald Darby's a very good corner. We kind of talked about it a little bit his, uh, earlier. His injury history really scares me. He's never played a full season. He's played like 15, 14, 8, and 9 games in his career. That's kind of scary. The Eagles desperately need defensive back and cornerback help, and it sounds like they're going to let him get to free agency. So that's another red flag right away. Right. And the simple fact is I'm not 100% sure that he can is as versatile as people might think he is just because they know the name. Not a ton of people, and not in a shot at anybody, but not a ton of people have watched a lot of Ronald Darby to say he's really good at this, he's really bad at this. So I think people just think he's a good corner that's often injured, but I'm not so sure that he's just kind of this jack-of-all-trades kind of corner that can do a little bit of everything, plus the injury history, plus likely a high price tag. I'm a little iffy on trying to make a big push for him. 
Yeah, I'm not making a big push for him unless they can get him for a reasonable amount of money. There's just no way that he makes any amount of sense at 11 or 12 million dollars a year, which is I think what Spotrac has him at right now. Oof. So that's right. that that's rough. I'm not paying that, but it's if Landon Collins him, money. Landon Collins money for sure. But if you can get him for a decent price, especially coming off of that injury, I think that's a situation where you can try and pick up some value on a player that yeah, does a that's, couple things. Uh, really I mean, well. that's that's kind of the big question mark there, right? So, um I think it, I was going to kind of piggyback on what Maddie said. Like if the Eagles are not going to deal with it and they're just going to pass there's a disconnect there between the players' expectations and the team's expectations, or they just flat out do not trust him. Which, in that case, there still could be. I mean, maybe he doesn't want big money, for instance, but maybe they just don't trust him enough to even give him mid-tier money. Like, I mean, that's 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 kind of where you're at with Darby. So, I mean, maybe, you know, it'll be interesting to see what his market looks like because they there might be some major red flags there um last one of the day at arrowhead tom what would be the most surprising free agent signing uh for me it's steven nelson like i just i don't think there's any way steve nelson's <laughs> coming back uh the way he kind of has been on the way out like he, he just he seems like just i he just needs to stay off social media can i just say that i mean he he comes out. He's the only one to comment on Bob Sutton's firing with the Kermit T. The he he gets torched in the Chargers game and starts running his stat line. Like this is not a dude I want on this team, and I don't think the Chiefs want him on this team either. I think the Chiefs are ready to move on from this dude, and the reason he's Kermit teeing out there is because he knows he's gone. So mine was actually going to be Kareem Hunt, but John Dorsey decided to go ahead and put his foot down on that one. So instead, we're going to go with um, the good old-fashioned Ron Parker. Don't uh. think he's coming back. But no, okay, out of house. We're going out of house for one. I, I do have a real out of house one. I mean, and this is kind of just obvious as well. If Jadavion Clowney hits for agency and the Chiefs signed him, I would be the most shocked I've ever been because it's a downgrade as a pass rusher. He's going to be super expensive. There's no connection to him anywhere. It just makes no sense on any level. So to see him signed by the Chiefs for big money would be in a complete and utter shock. It's kind of lame. Oh, yeah. You know, he actually picked one that makes sense and not just an ex-Chief. <laughs> okay. Well, for me, <laughs> well, I agree with Maddie that attacking oh, I'd be surprised if Teddy Bridgewater signed. <laughs> I'm sorry. Took it from me. No. Uh, well, I agree with Maddie that Linebacker in the draft is a position that I, I would look at. I, Anthony Hitchens' contract isn't stopping me from drafting a linebacker to develop for the future, but I'm not attacking one in free agency. So I'm not going after C.J. Mosley. He's going to be expensive. He's going to be a guy that you're paying Anthony Hitchens-style money to. He may be an upgrade over Hitchens, but then you're paying almost 20 million dollars to two off-ball linebackers that is ludicrous money no sign mosley keep hitchens draft bush let's go oh man there's your problem just overcompensate they overcompensated for stopping the run this year so maybe they'll just off overcompensate for their struggles to stop the run they did i didn't even think they compensated for it 
<laughs> they tried. They undercompensated. I mean, Brett Veach came out with the press conference. Third nine, you can't stop the run in the playoffs. That's unacceptable. Well, and <laughs> they were well, not better. I'm actually fairly certain that the Patriots picked up a third and nine with a run when we lost to them. So, yeah. They also picked up a lot of third and longs with the same play to... Oh, to a wide Julie. receiver covered by a quarterback, right, Kent? <laughs> Because the pass rush didn't get home Did quick enough, just, Matt. Yeah, the I mean, pass yeah, rush didn't get home the entire 2. game, right? They had 2.2 seconds to Did get there. Did the pass there. rush get a sack that game? I can't remember. No, they got I a touching know. Brady penalty when he got the ball out in 2.3 seconds on average. <laughs> touching Brady penalty. <laughs> God, okay. Uh, behind the scenes, this has been the most technologically stupid day for this podcast, so we're all slap happy. It's actually Monday for Maddie, so we're going to go... We'll talk to you hopefully next week if my computer doesn't blow up and if Maddie's schedule allows. Even Kent's computer did not like his edge rusher over CB takes. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.